tensions in Syria and Iraq are facing water shortages as the region's longest river, the Euphrates, dries up. But now it has sunk to a historic low, sparking the region's worst water crisis in years. And 23 has come. The Euphrates River is getting drier. The water is getting hotter day after day. The Euphrates River is stopped flowing in Iraq. The mighty Euphrates River used to near Khaled al-Hamis's farm. But now the river is only visible from a distance. Loose the poor angels which are found in the great river Euphrates. Welcome to the Soul Trap. We're glad to have you. We trust that wherever, whenever this broadcast finds you, it finds you in good health, good spirits, and on that good and narrow way. Today, we are going to be talking about archaeology, para-archaeology. We're going to be talking about archaeology and angelology. We're going to be talking about archaeology and the netherworld. I don't know what we're going to be talking about, but we're going to dive in, and it should be fun. The world is far more complicated and therefore scary then the basic materialistic model would lead you to believe. I mean, that is true, especially if you're a Bible believer, but even if you're watching The Soul Trap and you would not necessarily qualify yourself as a quote-unquote Christian, the fact is, the fact that you're watching The Soul Trap, you know intuitively that the world is more complicated than the materialistic model would lead you to believe. Uh, everyone has faith. If you are not a Christian and you believe in the materialistic model, you're simply saying, in the beginning, matter. Plus time, plus chance creates what we have. But the world and is just far more complicated than that, and you feel that and you know that. There is something to the intuition. How can matter and a materialistic universe produce love? How can it produce anger? How can it produce what the quantum world is now talking about. Quantum physics has absolutely eroded much of the materialistic uh, banter that has been around since, really, uh, Darwin and evolution. Now, quantum physics has come along, quantum computing, quantum a lot of stuff, and has gone, no, there's, there's something out there. As one physicist said it, we know that there's something on the other side, we just don't know how to get to it. What is on the other side? Some call it paranormal. Uh, some call them ghosts. Some call them paradimensional. The Bible uses the word spirit world, spiritual. In fact, it can be argued that the Bible from the very beginning sets two main, and I'll use dimensions so that we understand what we're talking about, but maybe two parts to reality when it says in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. There it is, your spiritual and your material, and the two are connected. So the materialistic universe basically says that all things are material and nothing immaterial is, is real. But that's just not true. The Bible contradicts that. In fact, it states that material universe was actually brought into existence by the immaterial. And much of the theories, as I just mentioned, that are coming out, not in your high school, your community college kind of stuff, but, but high-level scientific theory is now saying, no, 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 that might be the case. Uh, whether they want to admit it or not, the Bible might be right after all. For instance, string theory talks about at the lowest point is vibration. 
Well, word and sound is vibration. In the beginning was the word, God said. And so the Bible flatly contradicts the material only, the material exclusive world. But so does our own experience. Our own experience tells us that that is just not true because we have all felt the immaterial. We've all had that sense, that, that sensation that we are not alone. Many of us have had that feeling and sensation out of the clear blue that we are a part of something bigger, broader, mammoth, metaphysical. In fact, many of us have had the experience of deja vu. Oh, deja vu. Some have even interpreted their metaphysical experiences through the lens of re reincarnation, which is, again, not biblically correct, but it is reaching out from the material going, no, there's something bigger here, something broader and more powerful. So the world is quite different than simply the materialistic worldview that we're led to believe. And although modern Christianity in the West has fallen prey to the materialistic worldview, the truth is, is that the Bible, while it does deal in time, space, historical reality, at root, it is a spiritual book giving us spiritual applications in a physical world. In other words, I'm going a long way to say that it is the most supernatural book in all the world. Let me say it this way. It is the most otherworldly, other-dimensional book that has ever been written. It addresses the fabric of reality and dimensions. When you slow down and read the recreation account in Genesis chapter number 1, you see the reality and the dimensions that are layered there. And then as you go throughout the Bible, you see that it is fascinating. It tells us that there are multiple layers to reality. It tells us that there is actually a pantheon of beings and existence far beyond anything that we could grasp. Obviously, we believe in the triune God, but Psalms 82, Genesis chapter 3, and many other places refer to the gods, small g, the principalities, the powers, the rulers of darkness, angel, angelic beings, angels, which are different than cherubim, and cherubim, which are different than seraphim, and watchers, and on and on and on, evil spirits and unclean spirits. In other words, it tells us that there is a grand pantheon of reality that we are not fully aware of. It tells us that there is a heaven. It gives us a construct of heaven being up and earth being down, which goes against some of the more modern, last several hundred years view of the world, but I don't want to digress. The flat earth. It tells us that there is actually not just a real up and a real down, that there is not just a firmament and a dome and a difference in nature. It, it tells us that there is actually an inner earth. And that is something that is deeply, deeply mysterious. If you have seen any of the previous Soul Trap episodes, you know that we have talked about in one particular podcast, Where Are the Dead? Something along those lines. And we talked about what is taking place within the heart of the earth. Now, the truth is, the stars and other worlds capture our fancy. We could maybe have a podcast or a show on what they actually are. Are the stars round stars like our sun hurling through space, or are they something different? The Bible would argue that they are different. 
real science, not mathematical hyperbole, and NASA propaganda would tell you that it's different, but I don't want to digress into the nature of astronomy right now. But the truth of the matter is the stars have always captured our imagination ever since Genesis 6 when it appeared that the sons of God came down to the daughters of men. But the most mysterious and the most murky place might not be the stars, it might be the inner earth. It may be that the mysteries of all lie not in the stars, but within the earth itself. That the secrets of secret beings and secrets to the past and secrets to the future yet to be unleashed all are found within the secrets of the inner earth. Now there is the famous story of Admiral Byrd and others who have talked about journey to the center of the earth. But from the very beginning, the Bible is giving you some clues along the lines about the world within. For example, there is a very, very famous story where King Saul, the first king of Israel, goes to the witch of Endor. And he wants Samuel, his prophet and mentor, conjured up. So she attempts to do that. Now, whether or not she actually saw Samuel or not has been up for debate by many theologians down through the years. But what she does say is, quote, I see God's, note the next word, ascending. Very fascinating. From where were they ascending? That's the question. Now, she did not see, I see God's descending. She said, I see God's ascending. But from where would they be ascending? Well, Luke chapter number 16 would state that within the center of the earth, there is a place called paradise, divided by a gulf from a place called hell. There's something going on in the inner earth. Another example is found in the book of Jude and in 2 Peter as well. If you have a Bible, you should read that. She said, well, I, I, look, I, I'm not a... I like a soul trap, but I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Bible thumper. Then at least just read these passages and give it a chance. You would be surprised how much material you would find in there that you didn't know was there. And if you read Jude and you read 2 Peter, you will find that there are beings that are there now held in the heart of the earth. All right, let me read for you Jude. Jude says, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Somewhere there are beings right now, angelic beings. And let me digress for just a moment and say, don't forget that angels are not cherubims. Contrary to all of the Catholic propaganda that you see, contrary to all of the neo-evangelical stuff that you see, and contrary to what Muhammad said when he saw the angels, angels don't have wings. Cherubim have wings, seraphim have wings, evil spirits have wings, angels look like you and me. Every time in the Bible you see an angel, he is a young man. Powerful, powerful being, but a young man, probably in his early 30s. So much so is he human looking that we are warned in the book of Hebrews that you could be entertaining angels unaware. So there are angels, there are beings that are being held under chains in darkness. And then, of course, Second Peter mentions a very similar thing. And one of the most fascinating things is that the Bible says there are beings that are going to be unleashed upon the earth 
during the tribulation. In Revelation chapter 9, we are told that during the tribulation period, there are going to be beings that are released on this earth. Now, again, let me pause here and say a couple things. First of all, it has become very popular now to assume that because people have distorted the doctrine of the rapture, that the doctrine of the rapture is no longer legitimate and that believers are going, the church, the body of Christ, is going to go through the tribulation period. That is categorically wrong. Because somebody misuses the doctrine, misinterprets it, misapplies it, doesn't mean that it's not real. And of course, the church is going to be raptured out from the tribulation, though we are going to face perilous times and tribulation-like times. But the tribulation period, or what the Bible calls Jacob's trouble, is a time that is unprecedented on the earth. It is a time when God almost pulls back totally and allows, by way of judgment, the unleashing of all of the satanic dimensional powers on this earth at one time. In the book of Revelation chapter 9, we're told that there was an angel that releases, has the key to the, quote, bottomless pit. He opens the bottomless pit, smoke comes out of the pit, smoke of a great furnace, and there come out locusts upon the earth. And that these are actually demonic beings. That they have the hair of a woman the te and the face of a man, teeth of a lion. That they are violent and vicious and they torture men so bad. These beings are somewhere now in the bottomless pit, in the center of the earth, waiting to be released. So. I've gone a little bit of a ways here to say that when you look at the stars and we start thinking about all of the different beings that come from the stars that were led to believe, the Nordic, the Greys, the Reptilians, all of those things, it's interesting to wonder if maybe that is not their propaganda. In other words, when you think of the Reptilians, maybe they're coming from beneath the surface. When you think of the Nordics, maybe they're coming from beneath. In other words, maybe they want us to think they're coming from the stars, but in reality, what we are seeing are beings from within the earth. Maybe it is not extraterrestrial, but interterrestrial that is plaguing, that is pushing the veil. Now, I, I say all that to say that there is another group that is fascinating, and that is four angels. The Bible tells us that at the end of the tribulation period, the river Euphrates is going to be dried up. But in the Euphrates, there are four beings. And let me read it to you so that you have context. In the same chapter of Revelation chapter number nine, the Christian scriptures state that the sixth angel which sounded a trumpet Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. Now, <clears throat> when you're reading the book of Revelation, you have to be aware that there are symbolic statements. And the moon, as it were, turned into blood. It didn't turn into a ball of blood, but as it were, like unto, as if it were. But that's not what it says. It doesn't say, as it were, four angels, like unto in the river Euphrates. It is very clear that there are four angels which are, present tense, bound in the great river Euphrates. Now this is fascinating to me because as we live our life in the herky-jerky hustle-bustle of day-to-day -day life, 
as you get on the interstate and you drive and you check your phone and you text and you go to work and you take the kids to the doctor and this and that, while the world is swirling around in its materialistic worship and infatuation, present tense now, there are beings in the earth. Present tense now, there are demons that are in the bottomless pit. And present tense now, somewhere in that river Euphrates, pull it up on Google Earth, look at it in a map. Somewhere in that river, not beneath it, not in the earth, in the river, there are four beings, four angels being held. <clears throat> now, as I just said a moment ago, it is vital to understand that angels are a class of being all to themselves. Satan is not an angel. He can appear, the Bible says, as an angel. But he is a cherub by constitution. Angels are strange and wonderful beings. They are powerful beyond anything we could grasp. We are warned about them and told to beware of overindulging and studying. So if we believe the Bible right now, somewhere in that river, there are, in reality, spatial time reality beings that are being held captive. Though they are immaterial, they are real nonetheless and able to materialize. Don't forget the story of Elijah and Gehazi. Gehazi was Elijah's servant, uh, or Elisha's servant, I should say. He woke up one morning and he saw on the hillside the Syrian army. Elisha prayed and opened up his eyes, and his eyes saw that beside that army was an even larger army that was a spiritual army. In other words, that spiritual army was there in time, space, reality, though it was immaterial, still yet there. Quantum physics would support something like that. Well, in the river, the Bible says, there are, by nature, four immaterial beings that can manifest themselves in this material world, angels of almost infinite power that will be unleashed on this world, and they're there now in the river somewhere being held. Well, say, so what's so interesting about that? Well, here's what's interesting. The river recently, Euphrates, has been drying up. Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, it's something that's foretold it's going to happen in a major way toward the end of the tribulation, which will allow the kings of the east to come through. But it seems as if it's starting to happen now. Well, what's so special about it drying up? Well, what's happening is caves are being revealed within the underneath of where the banks used to be covered by water. Caves and strange openings are being discovered into the side beds of the river Euphrates. What is even stranger is that archaeologists have recorded some strange sounds and sounds that some believe are voices crying for help somewhere in the depths of the Euphrates. Is it possible, is it possible that these archaeologists have discovered a gateway or a proximity to these beings that are being held and what they're hearing are these four tortured, imprisoned angels crying out, waiting for the day when God will unleash their venom in righteous judgment on this earth. What are we hearing.
what did we just hear? Do you remember years ago when scientists believed that they had drilled down and heard the voices from hell? Now there's been a lot of argument back there, back and forth. Some have said that it was simply the plates tectonically moving beneath the surface. Some have said that the whole thing is a hoax. But that's the easiest way to dismiss the whole thing, right? If you did happen to hear the voices of hell, and just like anything, if we did happen to know where Noah's Ark was, we wouldn't want anybody to find it or see it because that would validate the Bible, correct? If we did happen to find some of these things, we wouldn't want anybody to find out. We wouldn't want nobody to take a look at Mount Sinai today and see the pictures of the scorched rocks on top of Mount Sinai nearly 4,000 years exactly the way that it was told in the book of Exodus. We wouldn't want anybody to see that. It validates the Bible. We wouldn't want anybody to go to the bottom of the Red Sea and see the, the actual chariot wheels still at the bottom of the sea. That should be mainstream news. It can't be because it would validate the Bible. And they could have never, ever picked up immaterial voices in hell crying out through the very rocks. Didn't Jesus say something like that? Didn't he say that if you didn't praise me, the very rocks themselves? Was that hyperbole or was he saying that maybe the rocks can catch something in the sound and the immaterial connection of quantum reality? You tell me, what are they hearing? Are these voices from hell? Or is it just the earth moving? So, I go back to the river Euphrates. What were we hearing? It's easy to dismiss. I, I know it's easy to say, well, this is a trick, or it's sound, or maybe it's this, or maybe it's that. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe more and more there are warning signs coming along. Maybe more and more, as we have said so very often at the Soul Trap, the veil between our world and the other is being thinned to the point where one day that curtain, that sky will be rolled back as was foretold, and there will no longer be a division between our dimension and the next. Regardless, the day is drawing near when these beings that are somewhere in the Euphrates right now, when you wake up tomorrow morning and have oatmeal, when you go to bed, when you go to work, when you want binge uh, watch Netflix, when you're doing what you want to do, remember that somewhere in the Euphrates there are four beings that look like you, that have been there for time immemorial, waiting to be released. And whatever they are and wherever they are, the sound is there, ready to be unleashed on this world. The truth is the final frontier might not lie beyond the dome. The final frontier may lie within. What are we hearing coming out of the great Euphrates?
Thank you.